Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome to, it is episode 50, Josh, of the bloodandwood.com podcast. I oh. Yes, we've reached our half... Uh, we've reached our half century, and like a, and like a tail end batsman who has no right whatsoever to last this long, we're celebrating in style. We're partying yeah. like it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Knee sliding down the wicket. Yes, and why not? Because now Trump's in the White House. Frankly, we're all on borrowed time. Yeah. So enjoy, are off. enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. <laughs> We will be libeling left, right and centre here tonight <laughs> because, frankly, there's not going to be any backdraft for that. Backdraft, backsplash. Backsplash, whatever. whatever. We've pushed yeah. the boat out. Uh, there's there's a huge selection of mini volivants here in, in Blood and Mud Towers. And I they can are. see down the Skype pipe that Josh over there in Bristol is dressed in a cravat and is yes. knee-deep in balloons and overstimulation. Isn't that right, Josh? I've, I've been down Iceland. I've got all the, uh, the, the nibbles. <laughs> all it's... The... it's, it's very all, the, all the cutting edge party foods <laughs> yep. are here There's, today. Uh, it's all it's, it tastes as good as it did when it was frozen, I'm sure. <laughs> however, what I can mm. say is, however much longer we all last in this new world order, we will continue to be your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge, and I continue yep. to be Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and you continue to be. I continue to be Josh Gardner, uh, as for rugbyshirtwatch.com, at least for the time being. 
Correct. I mean, what's, what, who knows what I'll be once nuclear fallout has badly mutated me into some sort of weird half-man, half-laptop <laughs> thing. But, I mean, for, for the time being. Like the closing scene in, in David Cronenberg's Fly, where Jeff Goldblum <laughs> exactly gets, gets yeah. melded with a, with a piece of metal. That's basically what it's yeah, going to be. On that note, you can, yeah. you can get in touch with us at bloodandmud.com. <laughs> you can get in touch with Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Show. And you Watch. can get in touch with all kinds of nonsense. Also, if you go, this is the bloodandmud.com podcast. We are available on the iCast app now. And I will say, we've gone to iCast. Do you mean so, iCast? What am I? I? Did I say it? What did I say? You said iCast. Did I? Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Tell you gone, what, though, there's a brand name. Happy. There's that's, a brand name waiting to happen, the, isn't it? Yeah. The champagne's gone to your head. It has. These, it's... Honestly, it's, it's the aroma from these prawn volivants. It's, it's sending me squiffy. But the, um, the so the, yeah, the, you could get us on Acast, not iCast. A-cast. I don't even yeah. know what that is. You get us on, on Acast. As a result of that, you will notice there are some adverts at the beginning, sometimes in the middle and at the end of the pod. We thank you for your patience with that. It is, you know, this is how we continue to do this stuff for free and how we can reinvest into the products, as they say. I hate myself a bit for just saying that, but that's basically what it's for. Um, you can leave you can keep up a super high level of professionalism. Yeah, exactly. Where you know, getting names wrong, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so we're on Acast. We're also on iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes. So you get so we can creep into your lives in the night without you even knowing. <clears throat> yes, you wake you wake up on 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 Tuesday morning, and all of a sudden there. Are- there's a there's a visual image for you right there. <laughs> the um, as Morrissey says, in the more you ignore me, you, the closer I get. I will creep as you sleep. I will creep into your mind like a bad debt that you can't pay. That's the kind of that's the kind of podcast we are. So basically, we've reached fifty. Yep. Thank you, absolutely everybody, for joining this train and continuing to do so. You have nothing but our untold respect and bafflement. I'll be honest, but thank you very much. Um, yep. because it is the big fifty this week, um, you can. We we, it was mentioned a few weeks ago. Alvaro, a lovely listener on Twitter, got in touch, and said, "How's about th- those of you who listened for a while? Will know those of you who just joined us won't know, but that we sometimes do a feature called How the hell did he get a cap?'" And in mm. that feature, we obviously out try to explain how some bafflingly bad players got caps, international caps. Alvaro suggested, "Why didn't we do as a treat for our fiftieth pod?" A special, how the hell did he get 50 caps, team? <laughs> and I thought, you know I what? Like that. Yeah. Then I thought, but I'm going to I'm gonna have to put some time aside to think about this. And then a matter of a couple of weeks later, Alvaro messaged me and said, I've put that team together. <laughs> He's, he does good work. This is the it. kind of listener that we need, He's, ladies and um, gentlemen. Please generate as much content yeah, do, for us as do possible. Do the work for us. <laughs> so thank you very much to Alvaro. That's fantastic. So um, all credit should go to him for this, but we did throw a couple of our bits in as well. As the Americans would say, kudos. But I don't say that because <laughs> that is the most disgusting no, word ever, ever created. Say it, if I'm honest. Yes. Yeah. So let's do the how the hell did he get a cap? Yes. 50 caps special. Do yes. you want to go from forwards back or from or from full back up to one? Well, I mean, if we're doing this, it's only right that we start from the back, I think, really. Okie doke. So, uh, back door, yeah. man. Yes. Right. So <laughs> Steady. Steady, yes. I'm very sorry about that. So, okay. <laughs> so let's go from full back up. Yes. Number 15, full back. And this is a very good shout. Hugo Southwell. 
Oh, that is a great shout. I mean, I naturally sort of leaned there in my head towards Chris Patterson just because. Just because. Chris Patterson. <laughs> but. So you guys have already got 50 caps. Yes. That's remarkable. The thing is with Patterson, as you see, he was a bit dull, but he wasn't completely yeah, awful. He was effective. Whereas Hugo as... Southwell was not. Could never no, be described no, no. as that, as, as those things. That is a that is an indictment of Scottish rugby in the early to mid 2000s, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. God. Is he still playing Hugo? He was last at Wasps, I think. He was at Wasps for a while. Yeah, I think he might have. I think he might be pushing. He might be pushing Kirtley Beale like all the way for that 15 shirt. Hugo Southwell, I reckon. God. Wings number 14, mm. Shane Hogan. <sighs> yeah. I mean, but bear in mind, you see, these are all players that have got fifty caps. So there's only a certain level of that awfulness bad, yeah. that you're going to get to, you know. But whereas, like Hugo was awful, but yeah, it's mm. a, but but Shane Organ wasn't awful. He was he wasn't just awful, but yeah. he was certainly, you know. Now number third, the best. The other wing is Gervin Dempsey. Oh, see now, what is it with? See. I think he was all right. He was, he was so all right and nondescript, though, that I actually had kind of forgotten he existed until the name <laughs> popped up again. And then, of course, I went, oh, yeah, Gervin Dempsey, of course. But, yeah. I'll tell you, he's very lucky that he hasn't played, like, five or six more games for Wales. Who's that? Alex Bloody Cuthbert. That's who. Oh, that's true, yeah. He's, yeah. Got, he's on about 44 or 45 There were a few now. players I thought were nailed on for the 50-cap mm. thing, and then you looked and you they, went, oh, they're just short. Just, yeah. It is like the sort of fifty cap, like ceiling. Although, yeah, it's like it's sort of is a, like a weird shield for really, really, really shit players. Yeah, because centres wise, for example, I was convinced Mike Hall had fifty caps. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking long and hard about Jamie Noon, but he hasn't got anywhere near enough. No, Nick DeLuca doesn't have. I think he's got forty nine caps. Nick DeLuca he uh... got very, very close. Mark Taylor's got over fifty caps. Yeah, do you remember um, when he was a light when he was like a thing, Mark Taylor? Yeah, I vividly remember when he was a thing. Yeah, yeah, odd. Yeah, is he an accountant now? They always used to make a big play of the fact he was still working as an accountant. <laughs> That's not he, necessarily a good thing, though, is it? No, and also he, he, you know, he looked like an accountant, didn't he? He kind of played like one as well. He did a bit, yeah, but so, still got like more than fifty caps for Wales. How many has he got? Fifty-two. Good man. Good man yourself. Yeah. Um, number twelve, and this is this is a, a brilliant shout because he had shitloads of caps as well. Sean Lamont. Oh. And also yeah. picking him in his most inexplicable position. I like that as well. I like. The, yeah, I like the, the the place where he should never have played. <laughs> and, and yet, yet somehow did. did. Yes. <laughs> now number thirteen is is a controversial one, I think, oh, because oh. he picked Andrea Mazzi. Oh, now that is harsh. Yeah, he's mm, yeah. I'll tell you where Andrea Mazzi was terrible when he played outside half. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that that. If if he picked him at ten, yeah. in a sort of comedy way, he fair enough. He literally couldn't kick from hand, so he had to no, keep throwing it all. to I think Mirko Bergamasco at twelve to kick it. <laughs> He could be in there, Mirko Bergamasco. He must have 50 caps. Bergamasco must have more than 50 caps. Let me have a look. Um, yeah. See, because Mauro's got 106. Of course he has. So we'll, come to, we'll come to that. Uh, what's Mirko Bergamasco on? 
But why are you doing no. that then? Somebody who has got more than 50 caps, he would be a shout for the 13th shirt and he's still playing. He's Keith mm. Earls. Still getting caps. Still gathering them now. Like like Keith like some kind weird... of ter- terrible squirrel. But he, isn't he now like himself. Ireland's leading like score, like try scorer in the Rugby World Cup or something stupid like that? He's had a bafflingly long career. Throw enough shit at the wall, some of it's going to stick, isn't it? And yet, for Munster sometimes, he looks quite good. He is a bit bad. When he came through, when he went on that first Lions tour, he looked very Mm. good. He looked like he was going to be quite some player. And he's not... He's not bad Totally awful now. He's He's just Ireland's leading World Cup try scorer player, though, isn't he? He's not, though. How many caps did Mirko Bergamasco had? Mirko Bergamasco got 89 caps. Yeah, he could be a good shout for here. Nail him on there. Nail him on there. Uh, into the halfbacks, then. Yes. Number I 10. I we could have Mauro Bergamasco at nine, aren't we? No, because that was unfair on everybody yes, concerned, particularly really poor unfair. Mauro. It really was. It was awful. What I love about... What, what, what I can't understand about that, one, I think mm. it shows what a decent... I can't work out if it shows what a decent bloke Mauro Bergamasco was. Yes. That you went, yeah. Right. Because he went, oh, really? Oh, okay. I love my country so much, I'll do it. Or actually, I think the reality of it is, is that he more of you went, yeah, I could fucking play scrum half. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. He's Easy. got that flanker's disease. Yeah, thinking exactly. that he could yeah. absolutely play anywhere on the so park. So actually, I don't, I don't have that much sympathy for him because I'm sure it was just a massive ego explosion that allowed yeah. him to do it. Scrum off, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we'll play 10 as well. So yeah, number number 10 is, is, is the legendary pointy sideburned one, Mr. Dan Parks. Oh, that's not even close. Of course it is. That's only yeah. for debate, that is it. The only no. one who could possibly come near it, and that would again probably be slightly unfair, is Toby Flood. And I think that yeah. would be unfair because he wasn't a terrible player. He was just trying to play through England. He was he was a creatively decent player when England were at their worst in many ways. So That is true, although he still did somehow get 50 caps. He did, so I get 50 caps. And he's also responsible for the greatest running into the post video you will ever see. If anyone hasn't seen that, it is the best thing you will ever see. Because he, slow- he falls over in three movements in slow motion. It's glorious. <laughs> if When this goes out on Acast... If I could slot that in... Let me, let you're going to slot the link in. Let me time code that so I could slot it in. What was that at? Yeah, that is up there with Someone probably like some of the funniest rugby mishap I've ever seen. It's yeah. even funnier than when Haskell ran into the post and that is fucking saying that something. That is really funny, but Haskell didn't have the comedic falling over afterwards. No, he didn't. He Back just to the team. Uh, the, yes. So that was Dan Parts. Scrum half is mm. not Mauro Bergamasco. It is the coiffured, inexplicable Nick Phipps. Fuck me, has he got 50 caps? Uh, according to Alvaro. Well, I say I'm trusting Alvaro's research here. You better be making a fool of me, Alvaro. You know how professional <laughs> we are about these things. We don't make mistakes. So Yeah, we haven't double-checked this or anything. I mean, I can believe it because he's come on a lot in... Yes, but not in that way. In that he's not no. got any better. He's he just come off the bench. He's caps come Australia, on. according to Wikipedia. 51 caps. Good God. <clears throat> Scored six tries in that time. Absolute bobbins. Ter- genuinely terrible player. <laughs> a genuinely terrible player, and looks like a genuinely terrible person. And I know that he looks yeah. like the archetypal rich, preppy, horrible kid in an eighties American high school movie. <laughs> he absolutely does. He looks like the archetypal shit house scrum half as well. <laughs> he does, and but without yeah. the comedy aspect, without the Not Mike Phillips like comedy anybody. aspect. No. Let's go from the props now. Now, number one. Graham mm-hmm. Roundtree. 
again, probably a eh, he's not a terrible. He wasn't the best ever, but he wasn't terrible. Yeah, Paul James could have gone in the same there. with with uh, Duncan Jones, to be honest. Duncan Jones got one of fifty caps. So is Paul James, but, mind. Yeah, but I I rate Paul James, whereas Duncan I love him <laughs> dearly, but I'm not sure he's a fifty-seven cap kind of guy. No, so you could have had Duncan Jones in there. Graham Roundtree is in there. Hooker. Mm. Now the obvious one, and he went for the obvious one, is his century capness, Ross Ford. <laughs> Nailed on. Not even. How could you even contemplate anyone else? But that's before I realised Hugh Bennett's got 51 caps. <laughs> okay, ex- hey. Explain that to me. Hugh um, Bennett, 51 he caps. Was quite literally the only person in <laughs> Wales who could throw a line out even vaguely straight for about four years. That's not and his I, fault. And I saw how he threw in. And if, he was the, if that was vaguely straight, that's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, God, he hey. was bad, Hugh Bennett. Bless him. How many caps has Ross Ford got? It's over 100, isn't it? Yes, it is. He is a centurion. That is one of the greatest crimes in modern <laughs> rugby, is somebody managed to get Ross Ford 103 caps. I think he's now going to be done, now this Fraser Brown's coming through, I would have said. He's fucking better be. <laughs> he's been on Lions tours, and he is utter bobbins. <laughs> God bless Ross him. Ross Ford's continued success is an affront to me. Yeah, that, I'm not upset about Trump. I'm more upset about Ross Ford. <laughs> Much more upset about Ross Ford. <laughs> Number four, mm. second row, Nathan Sharp. Yeah, He's, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, th- I would have had a shot. I think Quentin Heldenhase has got more than 50 caps, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's also a contender. Um, number five, I will mm. fight you, Jim Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, for comedy value, worth it. But, but he's just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's terrible yet awesome, Hamilton. Yeah, just everything he's a bit about of a team him is killer, magnificent. But in a very entertaining way, if you don't support that team. Number six, World Cup winning Joe Worsley. Yeah, easy. Yeah, number seven, uh, Jonathan Thomas. Uh, I think that's a little harsh, but he's a very. I mean, pl- picking him at number seven is harsh to start off with because <laughs> he was never a seven. But um, yeah, I'm going to take that. He was an incredibly honest, functional player. Yes. He had, he, he, he had a, his 15 minutes in the sun, didn't he? And then he just he went to becoming totally ordinary again, really. Yeah. But got 50 caps. You remember, we've got to remember That's people here. Is These people have got 50 international caps, with mostly with <clears throat> yeah. leading nations. Look, well, they are leading you know, nations if you qualify Italy as well, you know. Gareth Edwards has only got 53. <laughs> let's let's put these things in perspective. Ross Gary Ford Jenkins has got is... twice as many caps as Gareth yeah. Edwards. Think about yeah. that one for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Oh, dear me. And then finally, the number eight is Sergio Paris. <laughs> But what I I like about this is that Alvaro said the only reason he's in there is for the optimum fuck it, I'll do it myself he'll have to do because he'll have to do quite a bit of it with this team probably. (laughs) I mean, when you think about that team's got 50 caps, every single one of them, right? If you wrote that, it really isn't a very good team at all. There are some bits of it that are are okay, but you know. It's it's not a team that you would necessarily... You will go out and take on all comers. I've realised I missed somebody out when I was reading the oh. list. Out, I missed out the uh, the tight head prop. Oh, you did. 
uh, which is Bull John Hayes. Yeah. He's another centurion. Loves the game. 105 really caps. Decent Love man. playing for Ireland. Loves Lovely his club. man. Yeah. Really average. <laughs> and I know that's probably sacrilege. We're going to get... We're very Irish sorry, team, but... Ireland and Munster people out there. Yeah. We have love nothing John against Hayes. John Hayes. We love him and we love... We loved watching him, but however, 105 caps. That's a lot of caps. That's Rossford level. That, <laughs> Rossford level cap sentimentality. That is. So to they recap, kept John Hayes around because they like him so much. So to recap, ladies and gentlemen, our 50 cap special. How the hell did he get a cap team? Is Hugo Southwell, mm. Shane Horgan, Andrea Mazzi, Sean Lamont, Gervin Dempsey, Dan Parks, Nick Phipps, Graham Roundtree, Rossford, John Hayes. Nathan Sharp, Stroke, Quelton, Hendel, Hayes. Um, <laughs> Jim Hamilton, Joe Worsley, Jonathan Thomas, Sergio Paris, with potentially a bench, sort of, I couldn't get a full bench, but a bench of Hugh Bennett, yeah. Paul James, Duncan Jones, yeah. Toby Flood, yeah. Keith Earls, yeah. and then I, I don't know if I'm, I, I put Percy Montgomery in there. Oh, that's a good shout. Because I could never quite understand that. 103 he caps. He's had a massive boot. 103 caps he's got. Him and his stupid pointy face and surfboard hair. He was, and he was an absolute shithouse as well. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Yes. So he's in there anyway. If we've Garen missed... Jenkins as well is another one to throw in there, by the way. Yeah, but he wasn't just, terrible, just... was he? No, but he still had 58 caps. 58 caps. He's given them all to God now, though. So it's okay. Yes, every last one of them. <laughs> Next week... So there you go. Did we miss anybody before I got on to next week? Did we miss anybody out there, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Like, get in touch at Blood and Mud, at Josh Gardner. You can let us know if there's anybody we've screamingly missed. But thank you, Alvaro, for putting the time and effort in on that because it can't have been that easy. Um, next week, um, it has been suggested on Twitter again um, that we should select a most unfit British Lions 15, <laughs> which listener It's Mikey S suggested we could call the British Pions I like that. Which is frankly I mean, glorious. We have to do it as a segment yeah. simply for that <laughs> We're doing it as a segment, even if we can't think of anybody who is... And I'll I level with you. I'm struggling to think of fat British players. Um, it, might have to be like, th- it might have to be relative like this one. Relatively yeah. speaking, they're fat for professional rugby players. <laughs> yeah, or we could just call it a... You know, the what the Pions don't necessarily have to be British and Irish, do they? Can we expand it to a world fat 15? Let's see how we get on. And yeah. we'll throw that out to you out there as well. Please I just suggest... want to put Ricky January in there, to be honest. He's a big lad, isn't he, these days, Ricky January. <laughs> Good Lord. There's, there's be a lot of competition for Scrum Off, actually. <laughs> Fury Dupree's a bit of a lump Piri as well Weepu. these days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, you can play Piri 10 Weepu, as well. man. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, unfair, throw Ben Young's in there as well. Yes. Just for liking sweets. <laughs> and and his fluctuating he's like Luther Vandross with his fluctuating diets <laughs> is Ben Young and that is the first time Ben Young's has ever been compared to Luther Vandross you just don't get way. mentions of slightly shiny fat 80s soul singers on other rugby pods Josh no, I don't you know don't. why people go anywhere else yeah oh right anyway I've just had another volivant so I'm ready to go again so um so that's next week. The British Pions get in touch and suggest if you can't, yes, if we can cobble together the British one, we will. If not, we might have to sub in from some overseas yes. people. Get them and over. Don't just, a, don't just pick heavy ones because no, that doesn't count. That it has doesn't to be count. unfit. We fat want people. fucking proper lardasses here. <laughs> and if we can't get enough, we'd have to bring them over on a sort of project team where they have to come and eat Holland's pies <laughs> for a year before they can qualify. Um, 
Right then, that was our little 50 cap thing. Let's move on to the reviews of the final group European weekend, shall we, Josh? Let's. Yes. Shall um, we go? You start then. Yeah. Do you ever get the feeling that maybe, just maybe, Richard Cockerell wasn't the whole problem as far as <laughs> was concerned? I mean. And have you noticed how Toulon <laughs> seems to have become a slightly more functioning rugby team since he's arrived? It's weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. I don't believe in you know coincidences happen but sometimes I mean, these Lester, things are this related. is obviously Leicester 0 Glasgow 43 at okay. Leicester at Welford Road this was that's the thing people threw their fucking hands in the air about getting nilled away at Munster but getting nilled at home by fuck Glasgow that is a and whole Gla- no, hey, of... no disrespect to Glasgow they're having Absolutely a good season not. but you don't expect them to be beating Leicester nilling Leicester by 43 points away from yeah, home yeah that is a whole other kettle of stinking rancid fish that yeah. really, isn't it Leicester looked like some kind of stripy version of chronic constipation <laughs> it was awful yeah I mean like fair play to Glasgow like they played keep ball basically mm. And it was remarkable. They, they, so many teams try to sort of, like how patient they are in attack is brilliant to watch with Glasgow. Mm. I think like they just don't force it ever. Like they keep their width and they keep their composure and they just keep going and going and going, and then eventually, that, somebody makes a mistake. That first try they scored after nine minutes was it or something or seven? Yeah. Minutes, when they just had phase upon phase upon phase, I thought at the time that says as much about Leicester and Munster, as mm. it does about the way Glasgow could play the game, because yes. Munster weathered all of that for 12 minutes last week, and they did not get through. Yeah, and Whereas Leicester, is, in the end, the inevitable yeah. happened. And I think that says more about... It says a lot about Glasgow and how well they play. It says a lot about Leicester, and how they're not as well organised, but it says most about Munster. Yeah, And, and we'll come on to that later on. They're, but, yeah. they're defended ridiculously well at the moment. They are impregnable. But loads of good um, stuff for Glasgow. The way they play the ball, the forwards run so well. Finn Russell, yes. when he's good, he's, he's so he's very good. good. And something that Eddie Jones needs to be aware of and should watch very closely. This is what happens to Ben Youngs when he starts going backwards. Mm. Because we're not going to have this, you know, all singing or razzmatazzing on the front foot in games all the time. You know, we're not going to go to Dublin and have a run of the pack like we have no. been doing. And because this is what happens the, when Ben Young starts going backwards. It's yeah, kicking. That Irish Six Nations squad got announced today, and it is fucking scary how yes. deep that squad is. It's like, and it's kind of come out of nowhere. Not come out of nowhere, but I think the thing is, we all made so many jokes about Ireland's transitional phase for so long mm. that we just but kind we of forgot. We, we, we did, forgot we, they were in it. Well, we thought it was well to go back to my foregone conclusion syndrome sort of thing that we assumed this would be it forever. It wouldn't happen, and actually, it looks like they've come out the other side of it, and yeah. they've beaten the All Blacks with this squad. So <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not a bad way to get a toe into your new future, yeah. is it? They've beaten the All Blacks with this squad, and they've added for the Six Nations a load of young forwards from Munster and from Leinster who look absolutely fucking brilliant. Not added many forwards from lot- Ulster. Why was that? Why would that be? Do you think? <laughs> Can you can we explain well, that one? It could have something to do with the fact that they're fucking terrible. They are. Like literally they're only if they Charles Piertow doesn't decide to be transcendentally brilliant, then they haven't got a fucking clue. And yeah. none of their forwards seem bothered. It's like 
Yeah. I don't really get it. Was Nick Williams that important to them? <laughs> yeah. That losing him and they Everybody just knows the that a grey-haired, massive bloke who's nearly 40 is the man yeah. to hold your team together. Apparently so. I just, yeah, I, I know they've had bad luck with injuries, particularly in the forwards, but they have, you know, they're wasting Ian Henderson in that pack. My God, he's brilliant. Well, and he did he's say... Just lit- He's a good friend of ours, as as, as listeners friend. Friend know. Friend of the party in Henderson. When we interviewed him, he's a very good friend. And he confessed to us, in between saying how much me and him having a big Springsteen loving, how mm. much he wants to play number eight. And I think there's something in that. You might as well. What the fucking hell else they are going to do? Because they're well, shambles. yeah. I mean, they've played him basically all across the back row and in the in the engine room this year anyway. And every, basically, he's just been the best player in the pack, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to put him. him. Yeah, and everybody else has just sort of gone, oh, all right, well, you do it then, Ian. We'll just be. So Ulster lost to Bordeaux. Fucking hell, they did. inexplicable. It is. I mean, the, the main reason that they lost to Bordeaux is that they seem to have some sort of weird... Because they're not a bad rugby team, but they're, like, comically almost sarcastic at fielding restarts. <laughs> Like to the level where, like you saw, by about sixty minutes in that game, you were wondering if it was some sort of like performance art piece. They were trying to see if they could like drive their own fans insane by just repeatedly taking one of those basic aspects of the game and making it look like fucking there theoretical really, physics. There really is. Next to, there's there's absolutely no excuse not to get the line out right, not to get <laughs> the one... uh, to, not to get the reset right. You're all stood there. You've drilled it. You don't even have really have people jumping against you most of the time. No, you don't. You there know, was a brilliant moment at the end where they'd finally scored and taken the lead, and you thought, right, here they go, and Bordeaux kicked it off, and they just sort of sent the pod up six feet in front of where the fucking ball was, and it just bounced, and they lost it, and then they conceded a penalty and lost the game. And you and. It must have been. So, it must have literally driven the fans mental because every time they did something good, they literally threw the points away within <laughs> seconds, with literal seconds. It was just. It was remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. And of course, you mentioned before we came on air, what was the secret magic trick that Bordeaux had their, up their sleeves in the pack? Well, they had the greybeard intensity. Of uh, 37-year-old Tom Palmer. Yes. Also known as Gandalf in the pack. Yes. I just couldn't put... When they were like Tom Palmer, I was like, okay, it can't be that Tom Palmer. (laughs) Oh, fuck me, it is. Yeah. I assumed that he'd retired about a decade ago, but apparently not. So, uh, yeah, good on him. Yeah, I remember he was... He was a very big thing in the England team for a while. It was one, he was one so, of those classic yeah. one. If Tom Palmer's the answer, what question are we asking? Type scenarios. Mm. Yeah, so that was Ulster, Munster, and Racing. Munster yes. roll on again. Yeah, only really no- notable for the fact that Racing unexpectedly actually turned up this week and looked like a rugby team for at least a decent portion of the game. Yes. Um, oh, standard one man of the match yet again. Which... <laughs> yeah. This is actually just becoming a bit of a... I think that they must, itself is becoming they a bit say, of a... They, the, the announcer must go, you know, and the man of the match is CJ Standers. He's not playing this week. Oh, is he not? Oh, bollocks. Just had it written down before <laughs> they've, actually, even... they've actually stopped getting the guides. They just recorded it and they just play it <laughs> through said, the tannoy Efficiency savings. Exactly. Um, we should probably talk about Connacht, shouldn't we? No, very quickly before we move on Monster, oh. sorry. Very quickly. Mm. I don't think enough's been made of quite what a big part in this resurgence Tyler Blayendahl has made. Yes. 
that he they look a very good team with him in it, and I'll leave it they at that. They really do. And when you think about what their option was at 10 when he was injured last season... Um, Ken well, Keighley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Less... but he is... He is He's perfect for them. Yeah. He's that he organizing, exactly the game managing, perfect monster player. Yeah. And and he they are it's it's interesting. They are still very good in the Pro Twelve, obviously. Mm. But he doesn't obviously play that much rugby in Pro Twelve because Irish teams in the Pro Twelve. But um they look a significantly more st- like stable, threatening mm. outfit with him at ten. And yeah. Yes, we Good should thing. probably talk. We need to talk about Connacht. I think you said. Oh, just but for some truly dreadful late game management, they'd be in the knockout stages. Yeah, I was looking up because I'm rubbish at these permutation things. My head starts to mm. boil, and I was looking up the uh, rules on how this happens. If yeah. two clubs in the same pool are equal on match points at the end of the pool stage, their ranking will be determined by the results of the two matches played between the relevant clubs as follows. The club with the na- the club won the club with the greater number of match points from the two matches. Um, is that basically how Toulouse ended up ahead of them? Um, no, I think it's because they didn't. Toulouse got a losing bonus point, didn't they? And, and Connacht didn't get a losing bonus point. At it says nothing theirs. about bonus points here. If, well, two, if two clubs in the same pool are on equal match points at the end of the pool stage, their ranking will be determined by the results of the two matches played between the relevant clubs as follows. A club with a greater number of match points from the two matches. So does that mean match points in terms of how many points they... Plus bonus points. Yeah. And Toulouse got a bonus point away at Connacht, but Connacht didn't get a bonus point away at Toulouse. Yeah. If but equals... if, they'd have got, if they'd have got a losing bonus points away at Toulouse, oh, match... they'd have had more I, I points. See. So they would want, yeah. Match points from the two matches. I see. So that's not points scored. That's the points no, you got from match the match. Points. I yeah. see. Right. I'm with you. I got yeah. myself all mixed up there. Right. So but yes, if, heartbreaker. If, yeah, if Jake Heenan had not tried to make an ill-advised blindside break when they were trying to get into position for a drop goal, um, yeah, they probably would have. Well, I say that. We say they could have spanked a drop goal over, but what if anything has been taught to us this season <laughs> is that Young teams are fool. not going to... Only now do you realise the error of your ways. I think um, also you have to remember, of course, that Connacht basically won a game they had no right to win against Wasps. <laughs> so I suppose there, there might that. be some... Is, that is a very good point. At least Wasps did... I mean, Wasps were really worried about not getting through at that point, and now they're yeah. they are sat atop the, the table. Yeah, and uh, I wonder, though, if when Danny Cipriani re-signed for Wasps at the end of the last season, he foresaw a situation where he would not only spend the bulk of the season as Jimmy Goppa's understudy, but <laughs> he would then only really be trusted at 10 in meaningless games against Italian teams. And then um, nearly ruin that. And then basically ruin that, yeah. I'm sure he didn't, but to me, it's hilarious that that's how it's turned out. Yes. There were a couple, yeah, so, yeah, Zebra ahead for half an hour. Amazing. And then they just the crushing inevitability took over. Well, basically, yeah. Um, anything um, else on the weekend? We've got uh, Saracens beat Toulon. Yes. And to, how have Toulon uh, got through so fucking easily? That's depressing, it's really. It's weird, isn't it? Like, the only way that could have, that was like the most Saris versus Toulon game imaginable, though, wasn't it? Like, the only way that could be more Saris v. Toulon-ish is if it had finished 3-0, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just really, so, really while physical, we're to- physical 
tough defence, no consideration of entertainment or attacking. Speaking of tough defence, I finally worked out what's Phil, uh, what Will Skelton has a use for. What he's useful is, as. Is it making fucking good tackles? He's an anchor. He's right. so massive that even Samu Manoa can't run with him on his back. Because <laughs> no, he basically, he just kind of jumped on him and even Manoa couldn't drive over the line. He, even he had to fall <laughs> over with something that large gripped onto his shoulder. See, I know we've been making this sort of running joke about him uh, over the last couple of weeks since he's joined Saris about how he's basically big but otherwise useless. But I think he's actually getting like noticeably better with every game he plays for Saris. Like slowly conditioning him clockwork orange style <laughs> into becoming he's got like his eyes this... pinned open in the video yeah. review room. He, you will become every, a big hard. Every time it shows a act. missed tackle, he 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 get he throws up. He gets given a sickness tablet. Like <laughs> yeah, but I mean yeah, thank God he's only there on a short term deal. Really, can you imagine like if Sarri's coaches were allowed to have him forever? What they do with that kind of raw material? <laughs> it's sort of like handing a suitcase full of enriched uranium to Kim Jong Un, isn't it? Really, it's like. <laughs> But, yeah, so yeah, that was a cracking tackle on Samuel Manoa, I'll it, give you that. But he uh, actually didn't was, really yes. tackle him. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but he didn't <laughs> actually do any kind of tackle technique. He just kind of no, hooked onto his shoulder. And he's so massive, he couldn't drag him over. He's very good at getting in the way, give him that. Yeah, he's an anchor, good man. Mm. Speaking of Toulon, and people yes. making mistakes near the line. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. Who doesn't love a ball being dropped over the line <laughs> to a player being just real casual and showboaty? I mean, this all, is... literally all he needed to do was keep the ball in two hands and flop over the line. Because Which is what they're all coached no to do, of course, these days, because it's, it's much better to fall on the ball because you're not going to drop it. Yeah. But, you know, but... this having a Fijian in your team, it's a double-edged sword. You take your money, you take your chances. Yeah, because you know they do all this wonderful stuff, but you have to factor in the chance that they might nonchalantly cause you to rage. <laughs> but if he scores that, like, yeah, that was probably that. You know, <laughs> that was there was it was literally a one-score game. It was probably first try wins, really. Yeah. And now they've got to go to Claremont in the quarterfinals instead of going somewhere. Yeah. So and they oh. battered Exeter, by the way. Oh. It would, I mean, if that was a fight, they'd have stopped it at half-time and just for actually playing a bit in the second half and not giving up. <laughs> but, I mean, they did get an absolute prison shaming. Let's not beat around the bush, yeah. So, that's it for the games, unless yeah. there's anything else you want to talk about. No, um, we can talk about... They've announced all the Six Nations squads since That's we true. lost. That's uh... true. They have announced all the Six Nations squads. You've already mentioned yeah. the Ireland one. Yeah. What are your thoughts um, about from, the Wales well, one? Yeah, from Wales' point of view, um, it was actually quite pleasing. Like, very exciting to see the best thing to come out of come there since me, Thomas Young, get picked. Um, <laughs> I think he could have a huge impact, to be honest. Uh, and I see Owen Williams rewarded for being decent in an utterly so, shit Leicester team as well. Is this why Sam Warburton has, inverted commas in the air, voluntarily given up the captaincy because <laughs> we think that Tom Youngs is going to get the seven shirt? Well, um, I think that there's a... It's been a long time coming, hasn't it, really? Because mm. it's just... Wales have so much depth and so many quality players in the back row. I think just giving it to Alan Wynne-Jones kind of 
simplifies that whole selection headache that's been causing Gatland and Howley problems for years now. And like we we can't guarantee Warburton a place somewhere in that back row anymore because there is simply too many good players. And I feel for him because I think he's a, been a fantastic captain for Wales and he is still a fantastic player, but we, we've got too many good fucking players at seven to to say this guy is the captain and so he's got to start every game because it's not really fair. Are you hopeful in any way? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I think it's a, a, a pleasing squad. From it's nice to see Howley pick Ashton Hewitt and Steph Evans as wingers because they're both in decent form, and it's also signs that he's at least attempting to move on from Gatland Ball, massive lad who runs fast and does nothing else. Mold of winger, hmm. something a bit more creative. You'll still probably pick fucking Cuthbert though. Um, it's good to see Dan Levy in the Island squad as well. I thought because I. He's been yeah. one of my favourite players to watch in that genuine embarrassment of back row riches that Leinster have got this season. It's bizarre. Uh, isn't it? They've got ridiculous. And yeah. Imagine he's, how he's pleased scored... Connacht are going to be in three years when half of them are there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's a tremendously dynamic, exciting player. I think he's scored like three tries in the last two games, which is gosh for a back row. But yes. um, yeah, I think from a Wales point of view, I still think it'll go badly, but picked some off decent players and at least. He's grasped the Sam Warburton nettle to the point where Gatland can then. It yeah. does. Do you know what worries me about this though? What? Well, if Sam Warburton's playing every game, it's kind of like Gatland can easily then just pick him as his Lions captain. If Sam Warburton's not even playing for Wales, he mm. probably doesn't go on the Lions tour. And then who the hell are you going to make Lions captain? Yeah. Alan Wynne Jones. But people are saying that, you know, it should be Itajay Cruis or, you know. There's no it's... way. I don't want to go into this. And I'm actually mention what no, Greenwood Yeah, later. we should not go there. Yeah. But there's no way on God's earth, I do not believe, that forget what people think, that Alan Wynne, that Gatlin starts a Lions test without Alan Wynne Jones. I think you're very right. Because there, one, he should be picked. There's no argument that he should be picked anyway out of a pool of those. Nobody could say it's a bad choice. No. And he's Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah. He's got all the experience in the world. But anyway, we'll leave that for a minute. Yeah, England yeah. wise, the only big worry with us really is the is is what's gonna happen in back row and what's gonna happen with the injuries in the front row. And I think there's an argument that Ellis Genge is probably gonna step up. Hartley's fit. So yeah. um he'll probably start, which is well good I suppose. It's continuity, <laughs> but he's not as good as George, as we've often said before. Yeah. Has, Haskell's back in and fit, so I reckon that'll probably be exactly the same. Well, he's going to have to, isn't he? If there's no Rob Shaw, then he's going to no, have to play somewhere across that back line. Young Mike Williams from Leicester, who's a bit of an hard nut, he's, he's in there. Um, beyond that, the backs look same as, really. Yeah, I, don't, I think so they're I, gonna, there's going to be very little fucking... It'd be interesting to see if... The, kin, the uh, continued Sherlockian mystery of Marlon Yard. <laughs> well, that's going to carry on forever, because we know that but Jack Knowles is a big lad, and Jack Knoll is yeah. on red hot form, and hopefully that can continue. The um, I'd be interested to see if Alex Lesnowski gets a run out of full. That back, will be you know? interesting, won't it? Because he likes he likes, he Mike likes Brown. him a lot. He likes Mike Brown though, and I think he'll probably stick with it from a kind of experience point of view. 
I'd like to see Alex was that, I suppose, off the bench. If Farrell and Ford play, would you have Lazowski on the bench to cover both positions? Given that Good is normally he's yeah. normally that player, isn't he? And he's and he's yeah. and, you know his Anis horribleness reckon... continues, and he's yeah. nowhere to be seen. So <laughs> yeah, um, I think given that Jones has basically said he sees him as ten, twelve, or fifteen, um, yeah, he's he's a dead cert for the bench. He and... looked. He's looked very good the past two weeks, and of course, he's already worn a magnificent smashing off Matthew Bastro at the weekend. <laughs> he has, and uh, he's got up to tell the tale, which and presented the ball perfectly and got he up did. perfectly and got on with the game. <laughs> but as somebody on Twitter said, and I'm sorry, I can't remember it was said, it probably was just like running into a giant bouncy castle. So it wasn't as bad as it looked. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. So for me, I think the bit, the thing from England's point of view, Bastro back in the French squad. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Because of the injury to Wes. I mean, how'd you go? Oh, Fafana's injured. This wonderful, <laughs> balletic, athletic thing is injured. I knew he's next off the rank. Matthew Bastereau. Well, didn't they call up somebody else? He failed the fitness test, and uh, then he went, oh, fine, <laughs> Bastereau. We literally have no other fine. option. Please go to KFC and get Matthew Bastereau <laughs> on the bus. Um, yeah, it's, it's Monday. He'll be having the family bucket. <laughs> so, um... From an England point of view, very quickly, I'll finish this now. I don't think it's really mm. about personnel. I think there's been a core of personnel anyway that are going to keep coming through. Sinclair showed up very well in the autumn anyway, yeah. and so on and so forth. I think it's going to be, it's more about can they keep developing the plan? I'm worried about Scrum Half, I'll be honest. Continue, despite Ben Young's decent showing, I'm worried. And also... I just don't think that can last forever. <laughs> it can't, and I'm not sure the backup plan is that good if you're not going to be bringing in the Wasps boys, really. Um, yeah. And it's just a big, big moment. Speaking of Scotland, mm. um, who we haven't talked about, no. big, big test for Young Xander Fagerson yes. with WP Nell out for the entire Six Nations. He's again. looked like he's taken most tests yeah. with flying colours so far, but imagine so. Yeah, VP Nell is basically that scrum. Yes, and. He is, he is the Adam that. Jones of the Scot. He's the Adam Jones of the Scotland. He basically scrum. is, and they didn't go that well without him in the autumn. So, if they but he's had another season, Ferguson. Depth. He's had the European Cup season, hasn't he? Exactly. So. If he can keep improving, then yeah, Scotland could be very good with Finn Russell in the form that he's in now. Okay, sidebar Six Nations. We'll do a more yeah we'll detailed Six Nations next, next week. week yeah, uh, but um, before we finish off for the weekend, the Cuthbert Police on Cup. Of course. Fixture. Oh, this is, you had to do it, didn't you? For 55 your, your... glorious and beautiful minutes, it oh, could have been had... so gorgeous and so lyrical and could have made me forget about all the troubles that are in the world right now. <laughs> As Treviso yeah. were up against Gloucester and you... I did the stupid thing of getting myself on Twitter and going, oh, look, look at this. This is going to happen. Yeah. And do yeah. I learn nothing? Eight eight nil up against. I mean, Rush, La Rochelle. Let's not forget. La Rochelle lost are... La Rochelle. What am I on about? I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about let's the week not before. forget they are like second in the top fourteen. This and they are very good. That's why I thought it might happen because the CPC it been throws glorious. Up this, it would have been so beautiful. Because they didn't give a fuck, and La Rochelle didn't care. <laughs> and you know, as with all happy, positive things in this godforsaken fucking life, it just couldn't last. No, and they actually remembered who they were playing, and yeah. scored thirty-one unanswered points in the second half. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it became something quite foul, as it per did. usual. 
Well, they regain. It's the third loss since Treviso have regained the CPC, and that's, that's right. Seventeen days now. Seventeen for the men in green days, and, white. and they are now and... firmly in third in the all-time and the all-time CPC league of days, mm-hmm. having it. And you wouldn't bet. No, they're on... get rid of the trophy anytime soon. They've got Leinster at home mm. is their next game in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. And then you look, you look ahead to the end of the season, and it just goes, oh. This is not looking good. So there you go. It moves on, and we you know yeah. we hope that it moves around again. But we're back to the original brand. It's like classic Coke. It does mean that we are definitely staying with this in the Pro 12 until the end of the season, though. Yeah, of course, because there's no. That was more. our yeah, last yeah, yeah, opportunity yeah. to hop leagues. God damn you! I'm shaking my fist at the sky, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um... Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes. So don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security. And together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Right then, we'll do shit good in a minute. Um, but first, let's have a conversation with Mr. Alex Shaw. Yeah, We've been talking that. about the Six Nations, but one thing we don't talk about enough of, I don't think, is the under-26 Nations, and Alex is a bit yep. of a dab-hand and expert at the the, yes, the he young He knows links. way more than any of us. He does. You know, we were going to start talking about it and then realise that even more than usual, we would make fools of ourselves. <laughs> so we've um, decided to get Alex along and have a chat with Alex. So then, Alex, the under-26 Nations, how does it hang together? Talk us through the structure of it. Uh, it, it pretty much just follows the senior competition uh, when England... They're on to 20 side or play at home, so on. Although, obviously, they tend to play at smaller grounds, try and you know move the game away from the traditional hotspots of rugby. Do, do teams have a base? Do you know? Um, most most teams do. I know Wales kind of try and keep theirs in North Wales. Yeah, it's in Colwyn uh, Bay, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, England move it around. I think their first game this year is at Sandy Park uh, down Exeter. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember where the rest are, but yeah, you know, Brighton, Newcastle. All right, so they move it around. It's quite nice, I suppose. Who were the, who won it last year? I can't even remember. Wales Grand Slam. Did they? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I'm as, I'm as shocked as you are. Don't worry. <laughs> so, are Wales favourites again this year, Alex? Um, I I am leaning towards them a little bit. I think England have probably got well have definitely got the strongest squad but there are a lot of England players who will be kept by their clubs because they're playing Premiership Rugby at the moment. Right. Uh, 
so I, I think Wales will get by fairly well. They won't have, they won't lose too many players to the regions uh, over that time period. I, I, if I was to put my money on it now, I'd probably say Wales or France at this point. Okay. Does is there anybody who's playing Premiership rugby then in Wales who plays? Is Keelan Giles in the Wales under twenty squad, for example? No, he's injured. He got himself. Oh, I look, the oh. under, Wales under twenty squad looked very, very changed from the last time I saw it. When I looked at it earlier, it seems like they've had quite a lot of of turnover, I guess. But is that kind of just the nature of under twenties, though? Like, let's keep squads together, I guess. There is like quite often a lot of turnover. I think this year it's probably more turnover than normal because they've got a lot of turnover. Normally, you'll you know you'll find one or two teams that manage to keep together a you know a strong core, but this year mm. it's it seems like a lot have gone and yeah, there's going to be a lot of new faces about. Speaking of new faces, then, so how, how come actually before we get onto that, how come let's talk about England for a minute then, because I'm John yeah. Inverdale, obviously. Let's talk about England for a minute. I'm glad you said that yourself. <laughs> it's got the strongest school system, the richest league in the British Isles and Ireland. Why is it the favourite for the under-20s? Uh, any other year but this year, and I would say, yeah, comfortable favourites. Uh, it's just that the RFU has an agreement with the Premiership clubs that if you're playing an under-20 eligible player in the Premiership, in the Challenge Cup, in the Champions Cup, that, that that rugby is deemed more important to their development than playing under-20 rugby for England. So because all of the premiership will still be going on during the under-26 Nations, any players like uh, the, the Curry Twins up at Sale, Paolo Adogwu at Sale, Zach Mercer at Bath, Will Evans at Leicester, all these guys will be kept at their clubs to play club rugby. But then come the, the World Championships in the summer, they'll all head back with England and England will probably be comfortable favourites to win the World Championship. And do you, would you would you agree with the RFU's position on that, that it's better for their development to be playing not in the under-20s? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think you see some really talented under-20 players kind of impress for England under-20s and then they'll go back to their clubs in the summer and they won't get much of a look in. Um, I think if, 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 if your director of rugby, your head coach is willing to play you now, definitely take that route because... That that's that's the that's the rugby that's going to get you a contract. That's the rugby that's going to get you on England's seniors radar. When you watch, one of the great funny things you can do, I find, to switch sports from it to football, is always look at an England England under twenty one team from five ten years ago and try and work out and, and look at all the people you've never heard of. <laughs> in terms in terms of um, crossover into the senior teams, then not just in any of them. I mean, you know, you know, does it happen? Is there a good pipeline into the senior teams? Can you can you follow most players through or a good chunk of the players through to the senior team? So basically, sticking with England, uh, five or six years ago, they were terrible at transitioning under-20 players to the senior level. You know, they would, you'd know, you look back at an under-20 team and, and so many of them would go on to, to nothing, really. Mm. Um, but kind of before Stuart Lancaster became England head coach, he was head of elite development at the RFU and he kind of changed things around so that England were no longer um, at the age grade levels just picking the biggest and the fastest kids. They were picking kids that had skills who were technically proficient as well. Um, and I think what you saw with him streamlining the age grades and, and getting the right kids into the age grade teams, that you're now seeing really good transition rates. You know, your Farrells, your Vinopolas, 
uh, your Watsons, Slades, Nows. There's just a, a whole long list of guys over the last five years who've, you know, won junior world championships and have gone on to play for England and, you know, huge parts of, of what England are doing well now at senior level. So if I had a klaxon, I would play one, but the Stuart Lancaster did something right klaxon would be uh, would be going <laughs> off right now. Because um, I think it's it's a fair point in that I think people, you know, I don't want to go into it, but he promoted beyond his ability, you might say. But I think the thing is he did, he did create the bed for maybe what um, Eddie Jones has done now, perhaps, or some part of it anyway. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, yeah, people focus a lot on the, obviously, the head coach part of his career and what happened at the Rugby World Cup. But in terms of what he did at the RFU before he became the head coach, uh, I think everything that England are doing well now is built upon what he did back then. Fair enough. So, um, in terms of this year's tournament then, you said there's been some changes in the England team and, and some changes in other teams. Who is Which players should the listeners out there should they catch a game on a they usually play are they usually played on Friday nights and stuff these games yeah uh, yeah they, they tend to be you know just before the, the senior games either the Friday night or the Saturday afternoon so if you're at a loose end on a Friday night I want to watch a bit of under 20s rugby then um, which I think you should by the way The who, who should people be looking out for uh, from England, uh, there's a guy, his name's Ratu Joe Kokonasiga. Sounds very English. Um, <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Honk. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a huge, huge winger uh, who plays for London Irish. Uh, uh, just a little side story. I was at the Academy's finals day last year. Uh, I'm walking down the corridor and I'm quite a big bloke. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't jump out of the way easy. Uh, Ratu Joe comes out of the changing rooms and I have never leapt so quickly into a side room he is one of the biggest blokes you'll ever see in your life uh, he's about 6 foot 4, 6 foot 5 120 kgs uh, looks like Nemanja Nadolo clone and he's 18 Christ, where's he from? Uh, he's, uh, he's a bit of an army brat, his dad's in the, the British army and he's kind of moved from Dubai to Germany to here uh, but yeah, he's been with London Irish now, I think, for the last three or four years in their academy. Bloody hell, fire. So how long will it be before London, London Irish lose him? <laughs> he goes something useful somewhere else. I, I don't imagine it will be that long. <laughs> so does that want anybody else? Uh, okay, sticking with England, uh, there's a guy called Gabriel Ibertoy, uh, who's at Harlequins. Uh, some people might have already seen him. He played for Harlequins against uh, the Maori All Blacks recently. He's a really talented kind of outside centre slash winger. Uh, mm. He was captain of the England under-18s last year, so he's kind of stepping up. He could he could well be the captain of the England under-20s this year, uh, although they've not officially named their squad yet, so I can't say that for certain. Um, and then as well, Jacob Umaga, uh, who's the nephew of Tanner, son of Mike. Um, mm. He's a really good inside centre fly half. And he's at England, is he? Yeah, yeah, born and born and bred in England. So yeah. is Mike over Qualifies. here now? Then is he Mike Umang? I didn't know that. Pardon? Is Mike his dad's over here? Then is he? I'm assuming because I didn't, I didn't. Or is his, is his dad not around? I'm getting into stuff. Hasn't he played in the lower leagues for quite a while? If memory serves, or yeah, he did. Yeah, he was playing, and I think he coaches. Um, oh God, I can't think of the team. He coaches now Letchworth or someone like oh, that right, in okay. the lower mm. leagues. Yeah, um, I'm Googling him as we speak. He plays for Rotherham, Rotherham for like eight years and now Nuneaton or Coventry or Stourbridge. 
Wikipedia doesn't seem to have a clue. But yeah. I can't believe we've not got up to the minute information on the career of Michael Manger. I'm very upset. <sighs> the internet's let us down again. Bloody hellfire. Fake news. Alternative <laughs> facts. Yeah, so um so that's it's, it's so that's England, another outside centre there, you said, yeah. Who else is there? Do you know? Who else have we got? Uh, sticking with England again, uh, Ben Earl, a big number eight out of Saracens. Uh, again, sticking with Saracens, uh, Nick Asekwe, a big second row. Uh, and when I say big, he is a big old bastard. I mean, he's he's another Maratoje <laughs> in the making, really. Uh, it's not like Saracens have a production line for these sort of players or anything. It's just yeah, exactly. Well, it's literally a lab. It's a lab with mad <laughs> evil scientists in. We've established that by now. <laughs> Uh, they, they'd probably be the five kind of standout guys for England that I think England will have available right. I, I in need, the under-26. I need to get this right. Can you say that first guy's name again? <laughs> <laughs> Ratu Joe Kokonasiga. Rat- He's going to be a commentator's nightmare. Ratu yeah. Joe Kokonasiga. Yeah, that's it. Oh, so many puns you could get out of that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so great. Any so that's England. Is there any anything from the from the other you know lesser, not very important nations that we need to talk about? Uh, oh well, on that theme, why not talk about Wales? Uh, <laughs> why not? Why not? Uh, the probably the standout guy for me from Wales is a staff called Reuben Morgan Williams. He was a big part of their Grand Slam last year. Uh, Kind of a little bit different to most scrum halves at this level because most scrum halves kind of specialise one way or the other. They're either that kind of, you know, dart around the fringes, run it all the time kind of guy, or they're the quick ball off the base of the scrum, ping it out to the back line. He does both. He balances it well. Um, really, the only thing he hasn't got is a probably a, a great box kicking game, but, you know, you expect that in an 18, 19 year old. Is he, is he tanned uh, and a bit shiny? <laughs> I think he probably is. Because, you know, really, he's not going to go very far as a Welsh scrum half if he's not tan and a little bit shiny, is he? I think Mike Phillips is already slating him, you know. <laughs> which is a sign he's probably quite good. Yeah, yeah his hair's yeah. not nearly spiky enough for Mike Phillips' tastes, I believe. <laughs> How many fights have you had outside McDonald's exactly, Reuben Morgan Williams? <laughs> Zero. But he's from Neath, so probably quite a lot. Oh, is <laughs> Speaking of Wales, um, obviously there's been a bit of news this week about Wales changing their capture team from it being the under-20s as it has been for some time now to to the A-team again. Do you think that's going to help Wales as far as, as getting players to play for the under-20s go? Because obviously it's limited a lot of the guys who've who've been based in England and elsewhere who haven't wanted to sort of lose their eligibility and fuck their contracts up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it should definitely help in that respect because, you know, I mean, Matt Prothero is probably the best example from yeah. last year. You know, he's a proper you know, schoolboy sensation from Wales, moves to Gloucester to go to Hartbury College and play for Gloucester. And yeah, he ends up playing for England under 20s, despite, you know, having lived in the country for six months and having, you know, always been Welsh. And mm. yeah, I, there is a, a, a guy... Get his name. His surname's Morgan. I can't think of his first name now, but he's. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. Probably <laughs> helps. <laughs> uh, he he's playing for Gloucester and Hartbury College at the moment, but he's mm. actually playing for Wales in the under twenty six nations, which you wouldn't have seen last year. Yeah, exactly. It was the same with like uh, Callum Sheedy and people like that in Bristol. They've obviously they don't want to lose their contracts, or they don't want to sort of not get a new contract with their clubs. So yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, staying English qualified as long as possible is is a pretty good tactic if you're you know with a Premiership club. Yeah. If it, do you, just talk about Wales having an A team again, is that going to help, Josh? Do you think? <laughs> um, not helping this year because they're not playing anyone. <laughs> but um, it's an A team that's theoretical more than practical. I guess it probably will help in the long term, in the same way that you know the Wolfhounds or the Saxons or whatever helps England and Ireland. It's... What what horrifically contrived name have they been given? And they haven't. I think it's just Wales A at the moment. I respect that. I have a lot of time for that. I've got a lot of time for that. I can only assume it's going to be once it's actually up and running. They're going to think of some horrendous name to call it. Do they call the Wales Under Twenty teams the Baby Dragons? No, thank God. Thank God for that. They're just Wales Under Twenty. We we keep it down the line. We keep it simple. For such a lyrical nation, that's disappointing and yet reassuring all at the same time. So I'm quite pleased about that. It, it irritates me when commentators refer to Wales in any form of the game as dragons, to be honest, because it's like, well, no, we're just Wales. <laughs> <laughs> dragons and Tom Jones. That's all that we <laughs> know about you. Yeah, sorry, Alex. Yeah, we seeged off a bit there. So any, mm. any anybody else in the Welsh squad we should keep an eye on? Uh, Reese Kerr, uh, big loose head, you know, one of those guys that kind of shot up to 120, 110 kgs at like the age of 16 and never looked back. Uh, Run Williams, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but Rin Williams. Rin Williams. Uh, he's a really good fullback, uh, already played some British and Irish cup rugby for the Cardiff Blues. Uh, he's, he, he was another big part of Wales's Grand Slam last year. He should kick on. Are any the, are any RGC fourteen oh four players coming through to the youth setup? Or is it still mostly Premiership well, players? Do we think? Rin was originally, um, I believe, from RGC and then came down. Uh, I know. To I think this season. I think I Avon, Avon Bagshaw got a couple of caps, and he was at RGC, I think. Mm. But he's uh, he's just at RGC again now. I think the fullback. But um, yeah, yeah, because interesting. Because I mean, in theory, if the RGC, sorry to tangent slightly but if the RGC thing is going to work in any way looking like a professional team then they need to start pushing young players through to the under 20s and also maybe keeping yeah. hold of them because otherwise it's never going to work is it it's the keeping hold of them that's going to be the key because I think basically what happened last year with with Rin Williams was that he got into the under 20s everybody thought fuck he's good and then he gets a contract with the Blues and doesn't play for them anymore and doesn't play for the Blues really that much either so we could. Yeah. We need to maybe dedicate another session to that. But will not professional <laughs> rugby ever work in North Wales? It's probably yeah. a bigger, uh, a bigger discussion. We'll, than... get you, we'll get JB on again, and you guys can. We'll get JB on. He'll love that, won't he? Yeah, JB from mm. the Egg Chasers. Sorry, Alex. No, no, Joby. <laughs> We're tangenting. We're again. tangenting. Please carry on with the, you actually knowing things rather than us just you know pontificating about things we know nothing about. Go. Uh, well, I don't actually know much more than that because uh, Rim Williams is the only one I know to have come from RGC uh, right. in that Wales under twenty squad. Um, possibly a couple of the there's there's been some <laughs> like, what Wales do more than anyone else is they fast track kind of seventeen year olds into their under twenties. If they're big and they're fast, they get pushed up and they go uh, they go quicker. Uh, so Warren Gatland play. Yeah. <laughs> Are you big? Like, Can you run straight? Get in there. <laughs> This is actually my kind of little bugbear with, with the Wales under-20s, is that they, South Africa under-20s, they focus so much on size and speed, 
and, and not enough on the technical side. So when the players graduate from the under-20s, yeah, they're physically ready to go and play for the regions, but they're not technically ready. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a, a culture thing in Wales where the coaches are kind of pushing them into the gym as soon as possible or whether it's a directive sent down from Gatlin saying, I want big bastards, give me them. It's not like Wales have got any well-documented problem with core skills or fundamentals at the moment, is it? So, Or people sure spending too much time in gyms and maybe not <laughs> take, eating things that they should be eating, allegedly. Yeah, none of those things. So you look at somebody like like Thomas Young, who's obviously done a lot of his rugby education outside of Wales, and the, he seems a much more well-rounded player than a lot of the players that Wales have. I know he played for the under-20s at various points, but he seems a much more well-rounded player. Well, than hang on, though. There's a lot necessary. of does the you know England, for argument's sake, would love to have the choice of footballing back rows that you've got, and most of them came through in Wales. They weren't at Wasps, were they? The one that came through at Wasps that we're stuck with, it seems, forever now, is, <laughs> is, 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 you know, is a much less of a footballer than the Josh Navidis of this world, isn't he? Well, look, when you've got the good, sound, quality Harlem Globetrotter rugby genes of Die Young in your <laughs> then, you know, you can't help but be a flair player. His his hands were better than you give credit for, I think. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So actually, no. I think I think Thomas Young is just good because he's a good player. <laughs> that is a dangerous, <laughs> dangerously frank no, but, opinion. But you can start there, talking yeah. about a development structure. He's, he's that. I think he'd be that good if he'd come through. Maybe not at Dragons, but if he comes through at, um, <laughs> <laughs> at Cardiff or Scarlets or something. Yeah. Am I wrong? You make a fair point. There is definitely something about seven, something in the water in Wales and sevens, though, because they, they there's every year, every year there is a seven that comes through the under twenties, goes on to play regional rugby, and they're brilliant. They're all brilliant. And in England, we can barely rub two together. And what I wouldn't give to divert a little bit of that torrent of sevens development to developing a footballing inside centre, because we can't. Where are they? And we, I'm sure we used yeah. to produce them. So it's it's a very strange one. I mean, I mean, it could be Owen Watkin in a year or two's time from yeah. uh, the Ospreys. Like I, Mike, I, I would be a lot more positive about that if if he hadn't got injured this season. Yeah, I yeah, guess. true. Fair enough. Um, so as far, talking more generally under twenties wise, then like there's a lot of exciting watching the sort of junior world championship last summer. There was a lot of very very exciting young talent. Who do you think? putting you on the spot is the most exciting sort of under 20s age player globally now as opposed to just outside the, just in the six nations oh god uh, that's that's a tricky one oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah we don't pull punches around here <laughs> i i'm gonna anyway we say the under 20s from last year or, or for this coming year i'd say for this coming year why not make it difficult for you uh, there's a guy in New Zealand called uh, Patalicio Tompkinson. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> absolutely brilliant, name. by the way. Patalicio a... Tompkinson. Probably butchered that pronunciation. That's but yeah, that's as better. Far as I know. That's taken over as my favourite name now from Santiago Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry, Alex. Yeah, go on. So this New Zealand, where is he? In New Zealand. Uh, he's a he's a he's a with the Highlanders. Right. Uh, he's probably kind of 
hit Super Rugby this year, this season. He, he, I mean, he might actually get withdrawn from the Junior World Championship if he's really important to the Highlanders and playing for them. But he's uh, probably the, well, in my opinion, probably the next big thing to come out of New Zealand. So you, he's probably pretty good. Um, I'd, I'd also put Cock and Asiga in there from earlier that we were talking about. Mm. I think he, he really is an Adolo clone to me. I, I think he, he can be that and more probably if he keeps developing. Um, I, I like to throw out an Italian because they don't have much luck uh, in much else. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marco Riccioni, uh, he was their captain last year. He's a tight head. He could be the kind of long-term replacement to Castro Giovanni. I don't know if he's quite as wild or mad. I was going to say, what's his stance on partying with football players in Las Vegas? Because that's important. I hope it's very pro. But <laughs> I can't, I can't that Whose stance on that isn't pro, you'd hope? I mean, honestly. <laughs> uh, what, one thing that I really liked about when the the, uh, the All Blacks came over here in, in uh, November is that they... I noticed that they brought a couple of the under-20 lads over as basically apprentices, they said. Like, there was, what, Geordie Barrett and and a couple of others, and they sort of just had them in the squad. And they, was, they were never going to play, but they kind of just brought them on to have the experience and to, to sort of learn the culture and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that that's sort of something that other nations could get into to sort of help that pathway from under 20s to full internationals or yeah definitely I, th- I think that New Zealand are, are the best team in the world at you know nurturing that under 22 senior player they, mm. they you know obviously did it yeah like you say with Jordi Barrett this year they did it with Ardi Sarvea a couple of years ago yeah they put him in uh, I don't I can't actually think off the top of my head of any other nation that does that um you know, England, Wales occasionally will, will like take a 20 to 21 year old with them, but he will be part of the squad. He'll be part of the listed squad. And yeah, that they don't, you know, it's not apprentices, so to speak. Uh, but Is yeah, that, that, that's probably Zealand, because of the whole, um, the old EPS deals and all that kind of stuff, is it? it was in New Zealand. They just say, we're taking them. Yeah. They just say, yeah, you know, exactly. they, they just say that to the, to the, um, to the teams, don't they? They say, look, we're taking them. They said, they'll like it. Well, tough shit. We're taking them anyway. Yeah, sort what, of thing. There's no argument about it. Say goes. Yeah, um, and it's end, it's end a year for them as well, I guess. So it's kind of not as big a England deal. England have started bringing people into training squads, haven't they? Into training get-togethers, younger players and peripheral players who need a bit of development. They've started doing that, haven't they? If memory serves. Yeah, uh, I mean, last summer they brought in Ellis Genge. He played in that uh, pre-summer tour fixture with Wales. Um, but then, Great yeah. Um, and then at the beginning of this season uh, Will Evans uh, the the Leicester open side Mm. he was part of the EPS even though he was 19 still under 20 eligible and uh, who's uh, Joe Marchant who came out of the under 20s the Harlequin Centre he was put in as well and part of the squads so yeah I think Eddie Jones has definitely got a a more progressive attitude towards doing that kind of thing and obviously the new uh, RFU Premiership deal kind of allows for more access to players because they're going to pay the clubs more. So we've talked about Wales, we've talked about England to what to look out for. Quick roundup of the other teams: then Ireland, Scotland, France. Anybody that you need that we need to keep an eye on there? Uh, yeah, Ireland. Uh, a guy called Killian Gallagher, uh, big second row. He was really good last year. Um, I've not seen him this year, but 
from someone whose opinion I really trust. He says that he's even bigger, more physical. So I think he's probably spent the summer in the gym and should be even better this year. Mm. Uh, um, with France, you've got uh, the son of Trevor Brennan, uh, Daniel Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is he insane as well? In uh, probably. I think he plays tight. Head, so he's got to be quite insane. <laughs> Brilliant. Trevor Brennan's French son who plays tight head. This has got legendary status written all over it already. Well, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, he was he, he was six foot two and 120 kgs at 14 years old. Fuck me. Uh, there was a photo that went viral of him at 14 lifting Trevor over his head and carrying him out of a room. Good uh, God. So he's one to keep an eye on just, just because of the history and the name and everything. Um, and another one because of the name. Uh, you might have recognised him from a Stade Francais team during the Challenge Cup earlier this season. Farage Fartas. I'm probably <laughs> ruining the name uh, ruining the pronunciation there. No, you have not ruined it. You've made it better, <laughs> if anything. Uh, he's definitely one to watch. He's a, he's a kind of a feel-good story as well, because he ruptured his cruciate ligaments and meniscus all at the same time. Ow. was out of rugby for over a year. Yeah, he's finally come back. Uh, he's one to kind of root for. Uh, they'd be the kind of guys for France. And then for Scotland, uh, you've got Matt Fagerson, brother of Xander Fagerson. Yeah, he's 18, uh, isn't he? He was on the bench, was he, last week? For Glasgow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he a... made his debut in the first couple of weeks and he's been, yeah, kind of flitting in and out of the squad since then. Uh, um, and one that uh, probably not many people will know about at the moment is a guy called Tom Dodd. Uh, he's in Worcester's Academy, played England counties under 18 last year. Uh, he's one of the uh, players identified by the Scottish Exiles programme, so they get him into camp because uh... uh, he's Scottish qualified. Uh, I, I don't know what he's going to be like at under 20 level, but at under 18 level, he was a real beast. He was he would just walk through people. No one could stop him. Uh, so he's one to potentially keep an eye on long term for Scotland as well. Alex, thank you very much for coming and sp- sharing your quite remarkable expertise with us for us to sit here and generally take the piss <laughs> Debatable <out> expertise. <laughs> no, not at all. There you go. Right, then we're going to finish off with the shit good ratings. As of course. Per usual uh, do you want to make a start yes should we start with shit or should we start with good uh whatever you, you choose josh this is, um, this is a 50 with... cap you've got your cravat on you can choose yeah. what you want to do okay uh, i'm gonna start with good then and uh it's i'm gonna perhaps uh, i'm gonna say good carlo canna zebra fly half <laughs> now i'm gonna i mean whoa whoa whoa, yes. whoa 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 <laughs> i mean there's a caveat here he did have an impressively shit attempt at a drop goal. Now, given how many drop goals we've seen recently, which are terrible, I have to say <laughs> yeah. that probably goes straight into the bottom three, if not oh, the worst. No, it was really bad. It However, was... let's not forget that he did hit one of the only successful drop goals in the Six Nations last season. That's um, true. And he was actually playing very well for Zebra, a 10 against Wasps, um, for, and he was a large part of the reason why the score wasn't quite as awful as it could have been in the end, I think. And credit where credit's due, I think. He was he, he played very well. Good. Uh, let me just start reading this tweet from you. For, for, not mm. from you, to you. Okay. It's from Gavin Mortimer, who covers French rugby on yes. Twitter. At Gavin Mortimer 7, well worth a follow. And he said, nonetheless, talk about the Stad game. Nonetheless, it was a good game when it finally got underway. Full stop. Pleason played well. <laughs> How many times have you seen that written down? 
I mean, that shows how bad Quinns are. Exactly. Really, <laughs> yeah. What does that say about Quinns? And yeah. police on Quinn. Andy said Marlon Yard entertained us all with his kicking. <laughs> he really is a zero skills man, isn't he, Marlon Yard? <laughs> yeah, he's a zero sum equation. <laughs> and that... Now he's a professional rugby player. He's already well. For... He People say, "What do you know, Lee Calvert?" Sat there in your Bremen towers with your volivants talking about these things, but you know, it's all relative. And he's kind of a zero yep. skills guy when it comes to that level. <laughs> he does. He does what he does. He's quite a Warren Gatlandy player. <laughs> Pencil him into the Lions. Well, he'd be straight. Well, to be honest, he'd be straight into that Wales team as a winger. But then again, probably so would my washing mangle. So. Yeah, I mean, he'd be straight because that's all he can do is run in a straight line <laughs> into things. Gatland um, loves that shit. He does love that shit. Uh, other goods for me, um, slightly self-indulgent, but um, the Ospreys. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's the Challenge Cup and nobody gives a shit, but a tip of the cap is probably due. First European team in history to gain maximum 30 points in the group stage of uh, European competition, which is uh, yeah quite good. Yeah, I remember when I was in uni and we won the national plate. <laughs> that's basically it isn't and it, I've yeah. got a, I've got a medal for that the rugby league right. national plate and I look on it with fondness and I'm proud of you do. but I yeah. really I know what it is really I know it's the losers tournament medal exactly um, nobody's ever going to pretend that it's not but it's nice to set a little bit of history especially as for the first time in Europe this season Newcastle actually made them try a little bit and how do you like Steve Tandy now Josh um, I think he's the best thing he's done is to somehow poach Brad Davis off wasps because he has transformed things. He's definitely um, the best squad, the best coach who was in, who was given the job under a cost cutting exercise. It's a niche. <laughs> it's a niche class he's in, but he's the best he is, in it. He is. I mean, it's worked out remarkably well. And fair play to him for go with Wales this summer, and he went. <laughs> Right. Fair play. Um, good. Adam Howie got in touch on Twitter, uh, at, at Blood and Mud, and he said, good, bracket, depending on your perspective, I suppose, BT Sports' decision to screen live bestiality on Saturday <laughs> afternoon from Welford Road. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute. I was like, uh, oh, right, okay, yes. Yeah, you worried me a little bit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Tiger shagging, into to, that put it, kind to put of it politely. Right. Anything yes. else and good from you? Uh, yes, the little thing that came out this week, but I think it's very good, is that both England and Wales, it seems, are joining France in making noises about having a voluntary five-year residency qualification for playing for the national team. Um, How does it? What does voluntary mean? I think it basically means that none of them uh, are going to pick. Um, oh, I see. Foreign-based players for five so the, years. So the world rugby to... rule is still three years, but they're going to volunteer. For the time being, yes. I imagine they're probably just getting out ahead of what is yes. inevitably going to happen with world rugby. Um, but it's long overdue because the home nations need to stop strip mining the southern hemisphere for young, talented players and start developing a few of their own. Mm. Though I did notice that neither Ireland or Scotland, um, the two <laughs> nations who actually do a lot of this stuff, it's very easy for England and Wales, neither of whom particularly do project players that much, um, to be like, yes, we're going to go voluntary on the five-year. And then Scotland and Ireland just going, yep, keep them coming, keep yeah. them coming. But, um, uh, yeah. Good. Ian McGilp got in touch on Twitter. He was at Welford Road 
on Saturday, oh. and he said, "Good for him." Was as a Glasgow supporter, he's never felt so welcome at an away match than at Welford Road. Absolutely yeah. lovely supporters. Oh, that's always nice to see. I think they've probably had Stockholm syndrome by the end I of the game. That's probably, probably what it was. Bit, yeah. Uh, I mean, there comes a time when if you're getting dicked that badly, you just have to sort of turn around. Fair enough. Yeah. Anything else for good? Uh, Robbie Henshaw was very good, I thought. Scored yeah. tries. Um, a sm- very good player. Man. Quietly excellent most of the time. Basically, yeah. As much as it was bad for the Connacht fans when he left, it's hard not to feel like he's kind yeah. of becoming the player that he is supposed to be. You can't blame him, then. can you? No, you really can't. I don't think they hold it against him that much, do they? I don't, From what don't I've think they do. listened to their do. pods out there, I don't think they do. He's the best player they've ever produced. So, and he and he is actually their player as well, isn't he? He's from the yeah, West of Ireland. Yeah, massively. Yeah, and he's and, and you know, and as we found out in the interview, he loves a bit of Irish music. And loves he has a bit. A bit and he has a bit of a. Apparently, pr- plays the fiddle. That's plays something I found out after. I, I can't believe I found this out after we spoke to him because I would have been all over that. Loves a bit of Irish music and has a bit of a prey before he goes out. Now, regardless of your belief, there's something nice about that. There's something refreshingly old school about that. Yeah, and he's not, and yeah. I like the fact he's not ashamed to say that's what he does either. Yeah. Good anyway, um, any more good? Uh, no, I think I'm well, done. I've got one last one. Rich, uh, Halka Rich, got in touch on Twitter, and he said good was Nemanja Nadolo. Oh, I mean, bad was the everyone in Saints team who attempted to tackle him. But yeah, I mean, beast. Yeah. Absolutely. It was like they all had magnets in them pointing the wrong way when they went towards him or something. <laughs> it, it was, was a... it was like a more spectacular comedy version of of the Jonah Lomu Underwood cat stamping face thing. You know, it was just like. <laughs> but these are men the defense then was good that Rory Underwood never had to tackle, and then this thing ran at him. There's no excuse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, there's, it's there's... like you speak of Rory sorry, Underwood, Underwood, my sorry. cat. They're yeah. not exactly renowned for their defensive prowess, yeah. but you know, he these were big lads that. Yeah, and he just be. came out of nowhere, didn't he? This freak. Yeah. Whereas actually, uh, yeah, th- th- there's just no excuse for how pathetic that was. I know no. he's a big lad, but he wasn't really even travelling that quickly either. The anyway. one person I felt for in that was George North, who was obviously the last man, who basically said, I had... think I'm putting my head in there. You've got no chance. <laughs> well, yeah, and also he sort of tried to go high on him, but by that point, Nadolu had built up quite a head of steam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all he could really do... Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nothing ever beats, and if you can find it on Twitter, it's amazing. Xavier Garbajosa running out of the way of Jonah Lobu. <laughs> Literally running out of the way. It's a glorious, glorious clip. Walking you backwards and jumping out of the way. You fucking would, though, let's face it. Too right, you would. Um, right, let's move on to shit. Yes. We mentioned this before, but Colin McBride got in touch on Twitter and said shit is Ulster's attacking game plan, which appears to be look for Piertau or panic. <laughs> give it to the rub- give it to the rubbish props and go backwards. Yes, um, I thought uh, Tom Dare got in touch via Twitter and he mentioned the fact that uh, England are basically not so subtly implying that it's Dylan Hartley's tackling technique that um, that led him to being sent off and banned for Saints last month. So they've been while he's been banned. That I mean, technically yes. In the same way that, like, somebody who gets into a fight in a pub car park and probably said to have poor debating technique. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure that's the root. That's not really the root of the problem, is it? It's not his fault. He just yeah. can't argue as well as you, so he smashed you on with a pie glass. You can't blame him for that. No, he just needs to work on his debating technique. He's frustrated, technique. Yeah. bless him. Like he's some kind yeah. of learning disabled adult. He needs a coping mechanism with his challenging behaviour. Unbelievable. 
Right, so... Also, um, I, I like the fact that uh, they, they came out this week that England are working with MMA things to try and... That can't do... possibly end badly, can it? Well, I, I think it just shows that Callum Clark Paul is literally days away, surely. If, yep, if anyone knows how to do an armbar, it's that guy. And given the fact that we've already broken a leg with judo, really, do you <laughs> yeah. want to keep going down MMA this road? It's like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Next up in the next training plan, we're going to get people to come in and swing sledgehammers at people's shins. <laughs> if you Men can with dodge hammers. a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Men with hammers will improve our tackling technique. Um, <laughs> shit, uh, Adam Reese, friend of the pod, got in touch and said, Shit is the Premiership. Only two, only two teams in the quarters. A sad, bloated, diabetic poor man's Pro Twelve. Mickey Mouse League, absolute Bloody bush league. Um, league. It, in all seriousness, though, it does remind us to, you know, this time last year, everybody was going, "Oh, the Pro Twelve's fucked." Yes. And now this, year, it's quite easy to go, "Oh, what's gone wrong with the Premiership?" And it's almost as if these things just That's sort cyclical. of cyclical. You know, yeah, and it's almost as if no team except for Saracens can be good all the time. Yeah, and Saracens have the distinct advantage of not being made up of human beings. Exactly. So, any shit from you? Uh, yes, we sort of touched on it briefly, but Wesley Fofana getting injured in a fucking meaningless game Nations and missing the whole tournament because he's probably my favourite centre in the world. Um, he's been in incredibly good form this season, and the Six Nations will be a much less exciting place for him not being in it. Mm. Agreed. Um, he, he, uh, Johnny Sexton playing in a game that he didn't have to, and <laughs> now he's a doubt for the Six Nations as well. Which uh, all of those basically annoying. Late injuries in games that didn't really matter boil my piss a little bit, but oh well. Shit. Will Greenwood's dicky bow and 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 chat. On, what on... was going on? I mean, we can talk about the chat, but what was I'd love the thinking behind the dicky bow? Because I was sort of obviously the match hadn't started yet, so I was kind of watching it out of the corner of my eye, and I just saw this sort of lanky dude in a bow tie, and I just assumed it was like Pee Wee Herman or something, but. But it's the no, fact he had like a dicky bow with a fleece on. <laughs> it's like he was, was that... the worst kind of sort of IT engineer. But he was he was wearing it two days on the bounce, which leads me to think that either that was the only tie he packed, and he didn't. And obviously, they probably went from from uh, Ireland where they were at the Munster game on Saturday, and then they flew straight over to to mm. France, and then. I'm guessing, yeah, he just they didn't have a tie rack in the airport, or, or he something, did, or he did a, and he was just lo- did a 2005 Andy Flintoff and just went on the piss all night, and then basically came <laughs> yeah, back in, which may explain may explain his his selection for the Lions, which he put up, <laughs> which I had to take <laughs> a photo of. I was so disgusted by it. <laughs> you were very angry about that, and I can't imagine why. <laughs> well, it, we know why because he picked yes. Haskell to start at seven. No, which, actually, leaving I mean... leaving aside my feelings about the gentleman. Sure. that's not going to happen, is it? With Gatland I'm in charge thinking... and having choices of other actual sevens, I can't see that's going to happen, is it? Is I it? Don't Please think tell I'm, me. I've got a horrible feeling he's going to go. I think he'll go. Just because yeah. if he plays like he did last year, he'll go. Yeah. Yeah, and also because him and Gatland go way back. And can you imagine you know? the bantos on the behind oh, the scenes? Oh. The behind the they'll scenes. Be, he's basically going to go as social secretary, isn't he? Well, he'll be given and... his own player cam, won't he? He'll be absolutely fucking insufferable. <laughs> 
You are basically not going to be able to watch the DVD because <laughs> it's going to be all Haskell all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there you go. So that was so Will Addis at his fifteen. Adam Byrne on the wing. Yeah, he looks a talented be, lad, but really not, talented. Not lad. in the not, not even in the, the Island Six Nations squad for God's sake. Come on, everyone needs a bolter. But there you go. He obviously just you know they said look we've got to fill forty five minutes here. Name a really daft team. Actually, not a lot of it was. <laughs> Daft. Some of it wasn't that daft. Some of it was daft, but some of it was just daft. The notion, the notion that Warren Gatland isn't going to pick any Welsh players in starting fifteen is yes. amusing. I mean, whether you can argue whether it should be or not, but there's no way on God's green earth that there's not going to be at least one Welshman in that starting fifteen. Shit, Jamie Phillips got in touch on Twitter and he mentioned there's a stat for you: the Dragons away form. The Dragons have lost all 10 away games in all competitions this season and have not enjoyed a Pro 12 win outside of Newport since thumping Treviso in March 2015. A streak of 20 league defeats on their travels. That is fucking poor, isn't it? It's and their really scrum was basically bad. an embarrassment and a disgrace <laughs> for start to finish. An <laughs> embarrassment and a disgrace. And you make it a fool of yourself. It was like minute one, they got their heads shoved up their ass. Minute eighty, they were getting their heads shoved up their ass with different players, and there was just no respite. What's that episode of The Sopranos where they did an intervention on Christopher, and the guy says, <laughs> "The guy says, there's no judgment here. Just tell people how you feel." And, to- and um, what's his name? One of the wings in Bolly. his hair. Paul. Yeah, yeah Bolly Walnut says, "What does he say to him?" You're an embarrassment and a disgrace. And you're, 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 <laughs> no, no. And then you have to end up in a punch-up, don't they? Yeah, that's probably yeah. what the Dragon Scrum sessions that's are like. Basi- well, yeah, that's basically what Kingsley Jones's analysis session will be like on Monday, I guess. Yeah. But it's his fault. So he, well, I'd... he needs a significant amount of networking on Skype yes, to sort this out. he's to have to do some big-style Skype prop networking come the summer, if he's still there. Right, then. That is the end of this week. It is. Thank you very much, everybody, for sticking with us on this this journey of fifty. We'll continue. We are going to continue. We're going to do our best yes, next this week. This is the final episode. Next week is our. Um, if, if, although I may have to, oof, I'm going to struggle. To, I'm going to get prawn sweats from these volivants tonight. But um, <laughs> the next week we'll do a full Six Nations rundown. Uh, just oh, very quickly actually. Before just one last thing before we go, let's do some predictions for the quarterfinals. Mm. Clermont Auvergne at home to Toulon. Uh, Claremont. Claremont. Comfortably. Leicester at home to Wasps. Mm. Um, I'm not, well, Wasps won out in Leicester a couple they of did. years ago, didn't they? Wasps, I don't think they're going to be robust enough in I Dublin. Don't th- I think that, Les- that Leicester pack is massive and brilliant, and I think that could and be their undoing. And plenty coming off the bench of those younger whipplings as well. Mm. Munster versus Toulouse. It's 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 looking like Munster it's, all the way, isn't it? It is looking like Munster, isn't it? I just can't see them winning at home, and I mean, it mm. would take Wasps winning because it basically, if a team wins away in the quarterfinal at the home semi-final, that's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I think unless Wasps, the only way I can see it is if they had Munster had to go that, to the Rio. Yeah, Saracens. Maybe. Glasgow. Oh, see, now this is the. I can't wait for this game because, like, when you think about it, irresistible Glas- force, immovable objects. Exactly. Like Glasgow, are probably one of the few teams that could give the Evil Empire a scare from an attacking <laughs> standpoint because they're so fucking precise. Mm. 
Like and in unlike wasps, who are similarly very good in attack, but Sari's well, a little, can sort a of little bit more freeform jazz than a yeah, and they're also fucking hard as nails in the forwards. They've got you know big mm. bastards, and they can defend like bastards as well. And it's going to be a crack. That that for me is the match of the round. I'm very and, very excited and about then, that. Of course, Saracens will win, but it'll still be a match. Uh, yes, but it's going to be a good game. <laughs> so that would leave us with uh, semi-finals of Claremont versus Leinster. Yeah. And uh, at, that would be Claremont at home, I think, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. And then Munster versus Saracens at Munster. Or Interesting. They... I think it's a shame that it's... I would. I mean, I, it probably would be a dreadful game, but I kind of wanted to see a Munster-Saracens final just because I think that Murrayfield would probably collapse in on itself. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. I, got, I, I think Monster Saris is going to be one of the most physical games you'll ever see. And <laughs> yeah. That one might actually finish 3 0. Um, that might cause a shift in the space time continuum. It might well. So. Thank you, Josh. 50 up. 50 up. See you all next week. Thank you and goodbye. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.